This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in-depth interviews only heard here. And now, from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show, Bob Howard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for January 11th, 2023. This is season 13, episode number 14. And this is episode 399 in the long running podcast that is the Power Play Post Show. Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year. If uh, you haven't listened uh, yet this year, Happy New Year to you. I hope everything is going well in your neck of the woods. Got a great show planned here. Two great guests coming on to talk professional hockey, talk about the Black Bears, and even talk about the FPHL. So really excited. We'll get right into it because I've got a lot to talk about. And I've got two guests. So the Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search for Power Play Post Show and share our group with all of your friends and family. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton Hockey information and curiosity. And this week on the Power Play Post Show, Binghamton Black Bears defenseman Dakota Bond and a special appearance by the Fed League Flashes, Gary Ryan. Now, I've said this multiple times, and I, you know, I, it still stands true today. I have talked to now, I think, seven players on the team for the Binghamton Black Bears. And these guys are just outstanding people. And Coach Sherwood has really put together some really, really pretty cool guys. They're articulate. They're smart. They're just really well put together guys. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear that interview. Um, We will start off with our discussion with Gary Ryan first because the FPHL came up with some new rules. And we'll talk about those here at the end of my segment leading into my conversation with Gary and everything. So let's get to it first. Let's get right to the meat and the potatoes of this, which is last weekend's game against the Motor City Rockers. A win, an 8-1 to victory over the Motor City Rockers. I don't think anybody thought that this was going to be the score at the end of the night. Did a lot of people think that the Binghamton Black Bears were going to win? Absolutely, without a doubt. Uh, did uh, Did we think that Motor City was going to come in, and they have a great team. Uh, they were missing their goaltender, Trevor, Trevor Babin, who was on a three-game suspension. That was the second game of a three-game suspension. He's got one more game uh, he has to sit out, which will be, I believe they're in Withville to play against the uh, Blue Ridge Bobcats this Friday and Saturday, so he'll set out that Friday game. Uh, but we still expected a little bit more, I think, than what we got from the Motor City Rockers. Uh, with Connor Smith in the penalty box, uh, 
for hooking early in the first period led to a very quick power play goal for Josh Colton, giving the Motor City Rockers a one nothing lead. It happened really, really quick, and I was like, oh, here we go. This is what's going on, right? You know, the Black Bears were, you know, missing two players, Matthew Boulard and, of course, uh, Justin Samaro were called up to the SPHL. And within a couple minutes, already Motor City was on the board. But that seemed to be it after that for Motor City. Uh, just uh, less than a minute later, Nikita Avakshin scored uh, his 15th of the season for the Black Bears, tying the game at one. Jake Schultz get, got his first of the season as he walked into the zone with no one around him. And he takes a shot beating uh, Ricardo Gonzalez to take a 2-1 lead. The Black Bears finished the first period with 22 shots on goal to the Rockers' nine shots on goal and had the 2-1 lead. Tyson Kirkby and Gavin Yates were moving north to south, passing east to west. Saw Yates pass to Kirkby with his shot moving to pass Gonzalez to make it a 3-1 game for the Black Bears. And they just kept uh, going from there. The Black Bears took a three-goal lead after Andrew Logar's power play goal at the 14-08 mark of the second period as George Holt was tagged for a tripping call. Connor Smith got on the score sheet with two minutes left in the period to make this game 5-1. So basically at the end of the uh, second period, it was already 5-1. And I think because of what happened against Danbury, I think there were still a few people that said, well, you know what? Motor City could come back. They're a good team. Uh, The Rockers' TJ Sneath was tagged for a five-minute match penalty for spearing, which then led to Dakota Bond. Um, You might hear from him a little bit later on. Scoring the Black Bears' sixth goal of the game just 13 seconds into the uh, until the end of the period um it took until the 1344 mark of the third period with Tristan Wells in the penalty box for a hook and call before Black Bears scored their third power play goal of the game and his first power play goal of the season for Jake Schultz Connor Smith puts an exclamation point on the game scoring a, his second goal of the game a one minute and two seconds left to go in the game the Black Bears win the first meeting of the season 8-1 to over the Rockers. Uh, the Black Bears put on a show tonight, or on, on Saturday night, with 64 shots and scoring eight goals. Connor Smith and the returning Jake Schultz both scored two goals for the Black Bears. Connor McAnanima only gave up one goal. And let's be honest, the Black Bears spent so much time in front of Gonzalez, he didn't have to be the animal tonight, right? Connor and both Sam have seven wins on the season now. And I'm not saying Connor didn't play well, but let's be perfectly honest. There wasn't a lot of shots coming at him. Uh, I believe nine, nine, six. I think it was like 24 shots on goal, something like that. Maybe 25 shots on goal. And they weren't the best. I, I really thought the Black Bears played pretty good defense team-wise. And part of that is having a good offense. If your offense is in front of their net, that's part of playing defense as well. Um, I wrote some really important stuff in the after-game report, and I want to read some of that to you here um, because it really exemplifies how I feel about this team right now. And I've talked to head coach Brant Sherwood about this. Matter of fact, I, I saw him today and I kind of mentioned some of the things that I'm going to mention to you here. Um, but I think it's really relevant. The Black Bears in every position on the squad are interchangeable. I truly think that no matter what changes, they're able to win. 
The system is in place. The Bill Belichick effect is evident. I know some of you dislike Bill Belichick. More hate him than like him. But when it comes down to it, he created a system that at one time you could change a player out and the team was still successful. He did this multiple times. He did it so many he did it at so many positions on the field from running backs to receivers and even on defense. Now, okay, before you crucify me, no coach Brant Sherwood is not the same as a multiple time Super Bowl champion winning NFL coach. Yet at every level of coaching in any sport, you can do the same thing. Dakota Bond talks a little bit about it a little bit later on about Adrian College. And if every player on the field or on the ice play the part correctly, they will win. The Black Bears have done that. Jesse Anderson, Donald Oliveri are prime examples of this. When coach says play offense, they do, and they do it well. When he says play defense, they do it, and they do it well. Thomas Ray, a four-game PTO player, sometimes the extra forward, sometimes on the third line, sometimes asked to play on the top, and he's done it and scored seven goals, five assists for 12 points. Find another player. This is important. Find another player who's mostly played on four-game PTO contracts that has those numbers, and he's played everywhere on the ice. Now think about that. That that last line there was really the key thing. Find another player other than Thomas Ray who has played mostly on four-game PTO contracts this season who has those numbers. You can't find it. It doesn't exist. These are examples of how when everyone knows the systems on the ice, anyone can play them and the team can be successful. So exit Matthew Ballard and Justin Samaro to the SPHL for a couple games or a couple weeks. Welcome back, Jake Schultz. Hello, Bryce Farrell, and you win 8-1 to one against a, the number one team in the Empire Division. Yes, this was the game that could have just looked awful, but they didn't. And it didn't have, and, and it was like nothing had changed at all. Yet four changes on this team, and nothing, it didn't look like anything changed at all. Dakota Bond even talks about it when I bring this up with him later on in the interview. So definitely um, listen to that as well. Okay, so the up to coming games against Danbury, uh, in Danbury versus the Hattricks. The Black Bears have lost the last two games versus the Hattricks in Danbury in overtime, 5-4, to four, and then in the shootout on New Year's Eve, 4-3. to three. The Black Bears are 6-0-3 in nine games versus the Hattricks so far. The next four games, two in Danbury this Friday and Saturday, two in Binghamton next weekend, are against the Hattricks. Safe to say this is an important stretch for the Black Bears and as well for the Hattricks. 12 points are on the line. Okay, And yeah, I think it's an 18-point difference, 19-point difference between the two teams. You don't tell me that Billy McCurry is thinking, I got to get three out of four of these games or something to that effect to kind of start saving the season. Hattricks have been playing better as of late. Uh, the Black Bears, I still feel, are, are are the better team. And the Black Bears have only not gotten points in just two games this year. 
So think about that for a second. So even if they lose, but they lose in overtime or shootout again, um, without a doubt. And by the way, I was joking with the uh, with Coach Sherwood earlier today about the shootout and you know trying to maybe improve on that a little bit. Uh, the Blackbirds need to show they can win versus hat- the Hattricks in Danbury. Yes, they have this year. They've won there. They need to continue that trend. You don't want that to turn around. Remember, there's nine games in Binghamton this year against the Hattricks, nine games in Danbury. And to get to what Tyson Kirkby said, win 12, lose six maybe, that ratio right there, you got to get a couple of these, uh, still some more of these games. And there's more games in Danbury left than there is in Binghamton. So got to remember that. Um, and you need to keep Johnny Ruiz off the score sheet. So let's just not forget that. Um, let's go over to the roster and transitions uh, before we get to these rules changes because I want to read them off and then get us to the Gary uh, conversation that I had with Gary Ryan from the Fed League Flash. Okay, so Thomas Ray, uh, on the 5th of January, re-signed a four-game PTO contract. My, um, in, my conversations with Coach Sherwood is more than likely – they're going to keep unless something really crazy changes or crazy happens. Thomas Ray will continue to sign these four game PTOs. They really like him, and honestly, again, name a guy who's played as well as he has on that. Uh, Nolan Egbert was placed on the 15 day IR. There's nothing concerning there. Um, Matthew Billard and Justin Samaro got the call up, so they went at, uh, inactive. They signed Bryce Farrell uh, for the game on Saturday. Could potentially be there this weekend. We don't know yet. I did talk to Coach. I asked Coach about this weekend because, um, you know, Dan Weaver will be back. He returned from IRR on the 7th and then released on waivers was Bryce Farrell also um, Sunday morning. Uh, but there's a kind of a situation with Bryce Farrell, and he had to take care of something, so it was just better to, to release them. He could be back for the two games against Binghamton or against the Hattricks in Binghamton. So there is that possibility there that he could be back, um, not this weekend, but the weekend after. Um, but he could be here this weekend as well. Coach said that there was something that Bryce had to take care of, so there was no sense of keeping him on the roster um, for that matter. Um, Donald Oliveri as well could potentially be in Binghamton or be in Danbury for those two games but may not be, so there's something there to look out for as well. We'll, we'll know more probably on Friday, obviously, when the Black Bears um, you know, uh, put out the roster information that they do 30 minutes before the game, and as well, we'll check the uh, transaction seats to see if uh, the Black Bears have to bring somebody in. Um, I can tell you right now from my conversations with Coach Sherwood, he's always looking. He's always talking to players, and there's always a possibility that somebody could come in to fill in if need be. But if Oliveri is there, they're more than likely not going to need him. Okay, so the new rules uh, announced by the league. I just want to say that there's a lot of eh about these rules, and I understand some of the rules. As a matter of fact, I'd be okay with every single one of these rules here. I, I would if they didn't do it midseason. You make a decision, you change the rules, beginning or end of the season, or beginning of the season is when these rules should be active, not in the middle of the season. You know, not as many here as they've added. And, you know, maybe that's Dave Jackson trying to play catch up because this league really hasn't had the best rules in place and everything. 
and that's fine. This first one that I'm going to read off, there's a lot of questions about a lot of like, what the heck are they thinking here? But anyway, the multi-game suspension appealable. So this is appealable. Any team that has a player receive a suspension of two games or more will have their 18-man game night roster reduced by one player per occurrence until the such time that the suspensions have expired. So what that means is, is if you get suspended for one game, you don't go inactive. You go inactive for that one game. If you get suspended for two games, it reduces your ability to uh, have 18 men. You'd go down to 17 men. And if it's a second, uh, if there's two people that are suspended for two games, you're going to be down to 16 man roster. A lot of questions, a lot of ridiculousness on that. Hopefully this one changes a little bit. In addition to the roster reduction, the impacted team's head coach will be suspended for one game for every two games said player receives. There is no limit to the amount of roster reductions or coach suspensions any offending team incur should multiple game suspensions overlap. Trading, waiving, or expiring uh, four-game PTOs will not impact the as for mentioned team and or coach penalties. The requirement to provide a qualified and approved coach behind the bench remains in the case of a suspended coach, which I think is such a weird thing to throw in here because um, that should just be normal. There should always be a coach behind there, whether it's an assistant coach or a head coach. And, and, and if one of them gets suspended, the other one should just be able to take over. Uh, player head coaches uh, should be gone from the league. Uh, it doesn't do anything for the sport. And I'm sorry, if you're trying to save money by not having a head coach or you're paying a player to be a head coach, you're not getting the most for your money. Sorry, it's not a good business decision. Leaving the bench during an altercation, an automatic six-game suspension shall be assessed to the first player that leaves the player's bench or penalty bench during an altercation or for the purpose of starting a or joining an altercation. First player from each team should only should multiple players be involved. If there should be multiple players involved, the second identified player to lead the bench or the penalty bench and start or join an altercation shall receive an automatic three-game suspension. These penalties are in addition to any other penalties that might be assessed during the incident. So that's interesting as well. Uh, Suspended coaches. Suspended coaches may have contact with their team until 10 minutes prior to the game after the suspended coaches may not have any contact with their team, verbal, electronic, or otherwise during play. Suspended coaches may then address their teams in the locker room between periods until five minutes before the start of the next period, violation of these conditions will result in additional fine and or suspension for the coach, and he will not be permitted in the building after one hour prior to the game. Suspended players. Suspended players may not participate in pregame warm-ups and may not be on the bench during the game per FPHL rulebook. Um, which, do they have a copy of that? I'd really love to take a look at that. They probably do somewhere. I just haven't found it yet. Suspended players may not be released or placed on injured reserve until his suspension have been completed. In a player who has games remaining on league-imposed suspension is traded to another team, any remaining games of the suspension will be immediately served with the player's new team. 
Okay. I don't, can't imagine someone's going to trade for a suspended player, but maybe. Suspended players will not be permitted at or near ice surface at any time prior or during the game. Uh, rehabilitation, the IR slot. Teams may place an injured roster rostered player on the um, IR. IR carries a minimum of 15 days and a maximum of 30 days, whereupon impacted players must be immediately placed back on the roster, removed from the roster via wave or trade, or returned to the IR slot if unavailable, unable to play where the approval by the league office provided documentation is salary cap uh, applicable and limited to uh, one per team per any game. So they just came out with these, and the the first two obviously are the ones that really kind of get kind of weird, and there's a lot to them, and uh, just kind of strange in that sense. But either way, what we're going to do first here is we've got Dakota Bond coming up in just a little bit, so stay tuned for him. But I wanted to bring Gary Ryan from the Fed League Fash on to talk about these rules changes just a little bit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back with uh, Gary Ryan from the Fed League Flash. We'll talk about him, and then we'll go from there to the Dakota Bond interview. So coming up next here on the Power Play Post Show, he does the Fed League Flash uh, podcast pretty much every single day. He's doing some sort of podcast, YouTube, or Facebook Live type of thing. He is Gary Ryan, and we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. Hi, this is Don Biggs from the 92-93 Binghamton Rangers. Hi, this is Brandon Bochinski. This is Grady Wittenberg, the voice of the Binghamton Senators, and you're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. As I just mentioned in my main segment of the show, I wanted to bring Gary Ryan back from the Fed League Flash to talk a little bit about the new rules that have come out that I just laid out for everybody um, uh, here on the Power Play Post Show. Gary, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for coming on, especially on short notice, to talk about uh, the rules changes that the uh, Fed uh, just came out with. We got to find some better better conditions to have a conversation. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, but, you know, let's talk about the first one here, this first rule change about multiple game suspensions, which apparently is appealable, uh, which is interesting. Um, but apparently if a, a, any team member that has a player receive a suspension of two games or more, will have the 18-man game night roster reduced by one player per occurrence. Now, what's interesting about this is that, um, so if we just break down that first part of it right there, any team player receive a suspension of two games or more, they'll reduce the player roster by one um, uh, you know, for, per occurrence and everything. Give me your thoughts on this. So basically, if and this is how I read this, if you only get one game suspension, there's it's okay. You're, you, you're going to go inactive. But if you have two or more games, you will not go inactive, and you will lose that roster spot. That's how I'm understanding it. But, again, the, 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 the wording and the verbiage that's used as this was 
uh, written. It was just kind of poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really not clear. Um, I, I I interpret it the same way, but uh, you know who knows? They, they they've got all these rule changes going on the fly. You know, maybe it'll be something different next week. Yeah, no, it's it, it's interesting, right? Because so if you get a one game suspension. That guy will go inactive, and uh, you'll you'll be able to play somebody else in his position. If not, it'll go away. It's very confusing. There's a lot of stuff in this first paragraph. There's a lot of meat in here that we have to dissect. In addition to the roster reduction, the impacted team's head coach will be suspended for one game for every two games that said player receives. So, for instance, we'll talk about Daniel Amesbury for a second. He got 18 games, and... With that being said, his 18 games would mean a reduction in, first of all, for 18 games, a, um, a, a player roster, which is just insane right there alone, right? But then Billy McCreary would also get nine games of a suspension as well. It, this is how you read right. that as well, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and they, I think that's just ludicrous. Um, if this uh, was specifically applicable to uh, the coach, you know, sending a player off the bench, sure. um, or, or something like that. Okay, then it would then it makes sense to me in that scenario. But for a scenario in which a, a coach, you know, just watches something happen and he's sitting there going, "Oh man, I can't believe he just did that." Well, now I'm sitting for X amount of games. It's that's just ludicrous. Yeah, it, it, it makes it to me that just absolutely makes no sense. And of course, I'm not advocating that Billy McCray should be out for nine games um, or anything like that. And of course, this is only starting January 4th and on, uh, so to speak. Right. But what's interesting about this is that you're basically taking away the coach from being behind the bench, which I think adds to something that could potentially happen that the coach might have stopped. So, and for instance, yeah. and this is my example here, right? So you, you take uh, Coach Sherwood away. We'll talk about the Binghamton Black for a second. You take him off the bench for four games because uh, X player gets eight games, and so now Coach is off for four games. You have Tom Reynolds that's there. I don't think Tom travels with the team all that much and everything. So maybe you okay. throw Tyson Kirkby back there. Does Tyson Kirkby have the same ability to hold a player back from do, doing something stupid that maybe Coach Sherwood would be able to? There is a, a respect that you have sometimes for your coach that you may not have the complete amount of respect for for another player or for a different coach and everything. I think this is a bad idea to take the coaches off the bench. Exactly, especially when uh, talking about the Black Bears. Um, the biggest hallmark of the team this year is this is a team that Brant worked very, very hard to assemble and put together. He yeah. knew exactly what he wanted, you know, who he wanted, and he plugged in everybody into the different positions, and it all fits. But, I mean, he put in you know, who knows how many hours and days and weeks into that, and now basically that's stripped away. If yeah. Brant's not on the board, okay, uh, or on the bench, okay, great, you know, Tyson can you know, kind of motivate the guys and stuff like that, but it's not Tyson's team. It's, no, it's Brant's team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just a weird thing. 
Now, the other part of this, again, there's a lot of meat and potatoes in this first paragraph here. There is no limit to the amount of roster reductions or coach suspensions any offending team incur should multiple game suspensions overlap. So what's interesting about this is, uh, say you had three Watertown Wolves, because we just had this recently, where three Watertown Wolves, Two of them had two uh, two game suspensions, right? So two of them had two two right. game suspensions. That would mean that at least those two roster spots would be taken away for those two games if this occurred during this new rule change and everything. Which means that instead of eighteen game or eighteen players that they could dress, they would be dressing sixteen players for at right. least those two games. That's just insane to me. Right, right, and. And then this is not, you know, this is where it it no longer is a matter of player safety because, okay, uh, let's just, you know, take it at, at its base here. Mm-hmm. Hockey is a dangerous game. It's a physical game. It's a yeah. hard game. So if you have a player who is accustomed to playing, uh, let's say, 28 minutes a night, time on ice, now all of a sudden he's got to play, 36 or 37 and he's tired and he's you know he's starting to drag and you know somebody you know catches him unaware and hurts him Mm -hmm. that that's what i see happen yeah yeah you can see a guy maybe going for a puck or uh you know going uh behind the goalie to to grab a puck he's exhausted he's already just skated from red line all the way down to the to the goal line someone just hits him the right way he falls and he gets hurt and, and basically, yep. it's because he spent maybe five or six or seven. And, 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 and fans, you may not realize this, but five five extra more minutes on the ice than you're used to because you're down two or two or three guys. That's dangerous. It really yep. is. It, what? Yes, there are players in the NHL that will play forty minutes sometimes, right? And it's ridiculous. You see, there's some they're on ice time, and you're like, oh, holy crap! How is this guy playing twenty seven minutes or thirty minutes on the ice and everything? And yet, in the minor leagues, when you're only playing forty games, fifty games, you know, maybe sixty games, it's it's a lot different. They can't play those many minutes. That's and, yeah. and that's why the reduction of the uh, roster and and how many you dress anyways is just crazy as it is and now you're going to reduce that even more exactly so so I, let me ask you this question because this is the question i had that i don't think anybody's talking about i personally think they're putting the onus now on the gms and the coaches to to reel back these players to get these players to stop doing some of the insane crazy stuff the high hits the hits to the heads the coming off the bench when they shouldn't which i i realize might be a coach pushing them and tapping on on the shoulder to do that but do you think that they're trying to put the onus now on the coaches and the gms to talk to their players and say guys we can't do this no more. So instead of putting the onus on the players with suspensions, they're trying to do the same thing on the coaches with suspensions. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I think so. And the, the the biggest danger that that creates is if the coach is like, look, guys, we can't do this, we can't do this, we can't do this, uh, and the players alter the way that they are playing you know, at, at the very least, they're not playing as effective of a game. They're not playing their game the way that they have always yeah. 
played the game. Uh, and second of all, uh, y- you open things up to a lot of um, a lot of bad things coming on the ice because everybody's second guessing themselves. Um, and you know, if you're if if you're playing a hundred percent and and full tilt. Uh, the chances are less that you're going to end up either mm-hmm. getting hurt or hurting somebody else than if you're playing at 75% and, well, I'm not really sure, uh, I don't know what to do here. And, you know, there's, a, there's some miscommunication on the ice. So something happens where players come, end up getting in a collision or because, you know, well, I didn't know where I was supposed to be at or I wasn't sure if I was supposed to uh, go into the corner or if I was supposed to lay back and be the F3. It, 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 it's, it's terrible. It's just it's going to cause more problems than it solves. I, I think so, too. I, I totally agree. And I, I hope they revisit this very quickly and realize, you know, and, I, I, and again, I've had my problems with Dave Jackson, the way he words certain suspensions. I'm glad we're getting the explanations. I don't like the wording sometimes when it seems like he's getting personal and t- telling us his personal feelings about a situation. But I do like the fact that he's explaining things, right? So it's a it's a double-edged sword there. I, I like some of it. I don't like the, the other part of it. But I, I – because I respect him. I, I, I realize he has had a long career doing what he's done in the past and everything, and I know he knows the game. So it's one of those interesting things where it's it's kind of like I don't want to totally – kill him but i'm hoping that clearer minds in a couple weeks or a few weeks or maybe we have one team that is shorthanded and they go no this was not a good idea we need to revisit this um leaving the bench during an altercation we've now kind of seen this happen once and almost happen a second time well the first time we almost saw it happen that was watertown and binghamton when verbeek had some of his players actually on the ice but then everything got controlled and contained. Uh, there were fines levied against uh, Verbeek and, of course, uh, Coach Sherwood. Uh, but then it's happened since then where it actually has happened, and now they've come up with a rule on it. This one I do like just straight yeah. off the board. Yeah, I, I do too. I think uh, first uh, this, this is the clearest wording uh, yes. of, of the, the whole thing that came out. This this was worded very clearly. Um is, but yeah, the coach definitely here does you know have responsibility, and especially mm-hmm. when you are sending players out. And unfortunately, it's just not Verbeek. Uh, quite honestly, uh, this all boils down to two coaches: it's Joe Pace Junior slash Senior, yep. and Brian Verbeek. And uh, two coaches ended up you know kind of making a mess for everybody else. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it, it this this part of the game needs to be eliminated, and so I like the approach that was taken with this. Yeah, I, I totally agree and everything. So it's kind of weird. We have two rules changes. One has some confusion and some uncertainty in in it, and I understand where I, I think I know where they're coming from. Um, and then the other one is just well written, and I like it. You know, an automatic six game suspension. It just makes sense. Now, the reason why I, I think it's very important for people to understand why we're having this conversation here on the Power Play Post Show and everything is because one of the crazy things about this is like from what I'm hearing from people, you know, within the um, 
the 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 league, and I think you are as well, and everything. This is kind of crazy because I think so far this has been the best FPHL season that they've had in a long time. First of all, attendance is going to be higher yeah. than it's ever been. And we have teams, other than Whitfield, that's at five wins right now. I don't know if they're going to get to 10 at the, by the end of the season, but I think every other team in this league is going to be at 10 wins or higher, and that's the first time this yeah. has ever happened. Yeah, the, the quality of play is definitely better just overall. Yeah. And we see that because we, we see so many players getting called up to the ECHL and the SPHL yep. like never before. Uh, I mean, other leagues see, hey, there's some good things going on here. Um, you know, the, the parity is good. Um, obviously, attendance is up. Uh, there's some really great things happening uh, in the league, and unfortunately, it just sometimes gets sidetracked by well, let's make some rule changes in midseason. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the point that we're both trying to make here is: is if you want to make rule changes and you want to change, you know, a team from you know which which everybody screamed Motor City and in, in Port Huron would better be served playing in the Empire Division and play against those teams a little bit more than maybe going to Baton Rouge or Mississippi or whatever it might be right you know don't do those things mid-season don't do them at the 3 weeks into the season do them at the end of the season uh mid or you know mid-summer where you can have a a conference call amongst all the board of governors and discuss it, vote on it, compromise, all those type of things. Doing it in the middle of the season just seems very wonky. Yeah, yeah, and and what you just alluded to too—that was the other important thing. Um, the thing that I do not like about these rule changes is they were basically the decision of four people. Yeah, the board of governors had no say in it. Yeah, uh, they, they were, were they were told about after it. the fact. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, well here you go. And uh something of this importance when you have uh major rule changes, the the governors need to be involved. Yeah. No, I agree with you one hundred percent. Uh Gary, can you please tell everybody how to listen to the Fed League Clash? All right, uh, three platforms. We got uh, Facebook. Uh, I keep uh, as, as much as possible. I keep uh, everything up to date on transactions, and like today, I do videos live. Yep. Um, it, it, I also have Spotify. Uh, that's the Fed League Flash uh, on Spotify uh, platform there, and then also on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com backslash at uh, <clears throat> excuse me at FPHL Flash. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Gary, thank you very much for coming on. Again, we, we both of us agree that the attendance is going up. The parity, the play is better than it's ever been in this league. It's just a little bit of this craziness that sometimes we got to talk about, which is unfortunate. Gary, thank you very much. I hope everybody does listen uh, as much as possible. To me, it's, it's the best podcast out there uh, when it comes to covering the uh, FPHL uh, without a doubt and everything. There's a lot of great podcasts out there for the FPHL, uh, but I believe uh, you do the best. I do not know how you do it every single day. Well, I know how you do it. You sit in your truck. That's that's how you do it. It's great. It's great. 
multitasking. <laughs> yes, with, without a doubt. But it's it's great. I love I love the fact that this morning we're recording this on Tuesday, folks. So you have to kind of bear with us for a second. He 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 puts a post out there. And said, "Hey, I'm just I'm waiting for the right time to record this, and when I do, you'll see it." And then, of course, you're in your truck. You're probably at a customer's uh, parking lot recording that. And it's it's to me, it's it makes it so genuine, and that's what I love about it. No, I, I appreciate that, and uh, appreciate what you're doing, uh, not just for covering the Black Bears, but for covering everything in the FBHL. Awesome. He is Gary Ryan, Fed League Flash. Check it out if you haven't, which I know you have, because he has more followers than me. So without a doubt, you already are checking him out, but keep checking him out. And when we come back here on the Power Play Post Show, Binghamton Black Bears defenseman, Dakota Bond. We'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Uh, great to uh, have this gentleman on. He comes to us from the Binghamton Blackbears. He's one of their defensemen. Um, he's probably got the coolest name on the team. I'm going to say that right here, right now. He is Dakota Bond. Dakota, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So, uh, Dakota, obviously another string of uh, an Adrian Bulldog joining the Binghamton Black Bears and everything. Um, and I know we were talking about it a little bit off the air, but I'd love for you to address this uh, yourself. Um, an easier transition having guys here that you played with in college um, and everything. It makes it a little bit easier to transition a little bit from the college game to the program, knowing that you've got guys here that you've – you know, you've eaten dinners with and lunches with and you've, you've, you've maybe hung out with and stuff like that. Uh, talk a little bit about that transition because I know you played, a, a, you know, four games with Roanoke and then came down here to, to Binghamton and everything or came up to Binghamton depending on how you look at geography these days. And you got to, uh, you know, see some familiar faces. That helps a lot, right? Yeah, the transition uh, coming here from Roanoke was uh, – it was – Super easy, you know. Having guys I've played with before, Bennett Stanko, Dan Stone, Connor Smith, it just made it super easy and smooth. Like I played with those guys, you know, for Dan Stone a couple of years, Connor for four years, you know, and uh, Stanko as well for four. So it it just made it super super easy. Like I know kind of their tendencies and playing with Dan Stone, on, you know, as my D partner is super easy because he's more of a relaxed player. I can rely on him and everything. I know that if I'm going to give him the puck, you know, he's he's going to do something good with it instead of kind of just throw it away. And, you know, Connor Smith, he's a goal scorer, and he's probably one of the most skilled guys that I know, um, which is super nice to have on my team. So there's always that confidence back there that, you know, I have guys on my team who can play real hockey, which, which is very nice and makes it easier on me. Absolutely. Now, you grew up in uh, Saginaw, Michigan. Talk about what sports is like for uh, a, you know a, a, a youth uh, you know athlete uh, 
there's I'm gonna guess there's football, baseball, hockey. There's so much to choose from. Even basketball is huge in Michigan and everything, especially on the college level as well and everything. Talk about what youth sports is like for a youngster, for, you know, like yourself. You know, what did you play? Did you, did you play anything else other than hockey as well? Yeah, um, growing up, sports was basically the only thing I did. I, I played basically any sport you can think of. Um, you know, I played hockey, traveling. I played a little bit of basketball. Like I was younger in school. Soccer was a big one. Um, I was kind of forced to play because uh, trying to keep my endurance up and everything. Um, and then, you know, baseball was another massive one. No football or um, just not too much basketball. But, yeah, I, I tried to tried to play, like, the more skilled sports. Um, didn't really want to hurt myself too much in football, which, uh, which you know, was pretty nice. <laughs> now, you said you uh, played uh, travel hockey, you know, as a youngster and everything. Um, was it was it because, you know – your school didn't have a hockey team. How did that work? How does that work in Michigan? Because here in, and obviously New York, there's a lot of different levels, and you can play travel, you can play for a school. Uh, what's, what's it like uh, in Saginaw? Yeah, so we had um, we had a high school hockey team, which was um, a mix of three high school teams mm-hmm. put together. Um, and I always thought that that wasn't really the route for me. Like, I didn't I didn't want to play high school and you know just do it for the fans. I wanted to get scouted and kind of travel all over you know we went to indiana and ohio and just other states which is super nice kind of get that exposure uh play against like you know some of the top kids in the country and what you know made it uh made it super nice because you know what kind of competition you're going against Mm -hmm. and uh just like that higher level of play what would you say i mean because minnesota and michigan i'd say massachusetts uh even a good portion of new york there's a lot of very good youth hockey out there but talk a little bit about michigan and how it's kind of structured because again you play travel so you went to different states and saw different things and you wanted to get scouted and everything um but there are many different layers of hockey in michigan correct yeah there's uh (laughs) it's hard to count how many there are you know just growing up through uh through the process um you know you got your like your adams your peewee your mini mites everything like that um, so you can start traveling ooh, as little as probably like 12, 13 years old. Um, you know, and we have in Michigan some of the top teams uh, in the nation. They're they're very, very hard teams to get on. <laughs> they're very skilled players. Um, the kids are from all over the world. You know, like you got your Honey Bake, your Little Caesars, your CompuWare. So it's, uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. tough. So I, I decided uh, when I was in my teens I'd go uh, and play uh, junior 30 minutes uh, north of my hometown, which uh, kind of got me a lot of experience when I was younger, being 15 years old, you know, playing against grown men, 21, 22-year-olds at the time, which uh, which I felt helped me uh, phenomenally, like just playing against the, the older style guys and, you know, they're trying to hate you as hard as they can. You're just 15 years old skating around the ice. So I kind of had to adapt and uh, kind of learn to be more of a skilled player. And, and being big myself, I could take a hit, but... I didn't normally uh, choose to get hit by these big men. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, when you went to go play for Chatham and uh, you know in the Greater Ontario Hockey Junior League, you know, can you talk a little bit about what it was like to play in that league specifically? Yeah, that was uh, that was a, a great time, great league, um, a lot of skilled uh, hockey. 
uh, you know, playing in uh, Chatham was very nice. We, um, we we were treated very well. The fans were fantastic. We played a, a lot of good teams around us as well in our uh, horseshoe conference, we called it. Um, yeah, it was a, it was like a more skilled league. Um, my first year, I got to wear a visor. You know, there was a lot of fighting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my next couple of years, we had to wear cages because some kid got his uh, teeth knocked out to a puck. Ooh. So you know the, the fighting kind of the fighting kind of stopped there, and it was a lot of more physical play, and uh, you know guys thought they could kind of get away with whatever on the ice, which you know made it it made it tough because you really couldn't fight them if you wanted to, so you kind of had to rough them up um, and hit them a lot. But yeah, very very skilled league, uh, and I I enjoyed my time there. It was very nice. What did you learn about yourself as a player when you went to that? Because I, I, I would imagine when you're playing for Chatham for those three years, you're away from home at that point, right? Yeah, that was my uh, my first time away from home, actually. Um, so, you know, it was, it was completely different. I lived with the Billet family. Um, you know, they treated me nice. And, yeah, it was just completely different. Like, just, just not being at home. You know, I didn't have to go to school or anything like that. Um, so it was, it was mainly just hockey. It was just working out, staying in shape, and playing hockey and traveling, which it was a, it was a good time in my life. Um, I learned, you know, I learned I was, I was more of like a, I would say a skill guy. I think like more of a power play guy. That's kind of where I uh, embraced yeah. my role. And I think that's where uh, things started for me was on the power play. I, I was, um, you know, putting up uh, good numbers, which uh, was, was very nice. I was getting scouted and recruited heavily, uh, which kind of led me to Adrian. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So now, when you got to Chatham, was that when you knew that you wanted to keep going in hockey and have more of a career in hockey? Um, when you know, because obviously you got scouted. Obviously, you made your way to Adrian. We'll talk about that in just a few seconds and everything. But was there a point, an age that you said, "Yes, this is what I want to do beyond even maybe college, if possible"? Yeah, I knew ever since I kind of got into hockey at a young age. I knew it was kind of something I wanted to do my entire life. Um, you know, just being able to travel all over and kind of doing something you love for, for a living is just one of the most satisfying things. Now, uh, at the same time, so how does Adrian come about? How do you get scouted to go to Adrian? And I know, obviously, Adrian's obviously in Michigan, so it's, you know, it's one of the schools that you were probably familiar with. But how did you get scouted to Adrian? Um, it's a funny story, actually. After um, one of our games in Chatham, um, the assistant coach uh, for Adrian at the time, uh, Justin Fisher, he just told me that they had won a national championship there, and you know, and uh, <laughs> things were looking good for the school, and they're going to win it again, and everything. And I was, I was just thinking to myself, man, that that sounds awesome. I want to, I want to win a national championship. So I. Uh, I went and toured uh, that year, and the next year, that's where I went. Now, you obviously go there, and uh, you, you spend four years there. Okay, so let, let me ask you this. You said, oh, I want to do hockey for the rest of my life and everything, but you got a degree from Ch- uh, from Adrian, right? Yes, I did. No. Uh, I got a – oops, sorry. No, I was going to ask you, what would what, you get a degree in? Yeah, so I got a bachelor's in uh, business management. Gotcha. I didn't uh, – I didn't do an undergrad at all. I had a whole bunch of classes I was taking. I kind of didn't pick a, a certain one. So. so so, obviously having the degree is very important because when you're done with hockey, you know, maybe you'll coach. Maybe you'll do something, 
you know, in, in the front office if you wanted to um, and everything. Uh, but when, while at Adrian, that's different a style of hockey than when you were at Chatham, correct? Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of, uh, it was, it was, it was good hockey. Like it, we were, we were pushing, we were beating teams. You know, we didn't, we weren't stopping after you know however many goals. We always wanted to win. We were dominating. It was, it was just different. We were, you know, in my eyes, the best in the country for four years. So I, I mean, yeah, it was just, it was just beat teams down, hit them, and we had our, our systems, which were perfect systems. They always worked. And it was just super nice to kind of be, uh, you know, in an environment like that, which uh, with guys battling next to you every single day, doing what they should be on and off the ice and kind of just getting to work every day. You know, Dakota, you mentioned systems and working, and obviously Adrian was very successful. One of the reasons why I think Binghamton has been good this year, and this is in my opinion, I call it the Bill Belichick effect, right? It's where when you put in a system that works – and everybody knows the system. It doesn't matter which player plays where. I mean, Connor McNanima played uh, a forward and got an assist. Um, we're all trying to figure out where the assist came from, but he got the assist, and that's okay. But my point is, though, is that the Bill Belichick effect is you put a system in place. Everybody knows the system and how to play the system, whether it's on defense, whether it's on uh, you know the forwards and everything. And you can win. Uh, we've seen that with Donald Oliveri going back and forth between forward and uh, defense. It's the same thing with Jesse Anderson. You got Tommy Ray, who's you know sometimes the extra forward, and he's being asked to sometimes play on the top line and everything. Talk to me a little bit about the system a little bit more, especially here in Binghamton now, and what Coach Sherwood has put into place because it seems like the systems keep working no matter who's playing what position. Yeah, no, it it does not matter. Our team is very versatile. You can kind of put anyone wherever you want, 13 forward, doesn't matter, first line, we will get the job done. Like, that's, at the end of the day, that's what we're looking to do, right? You can put anyone on the power play, anyone on the PK. We we roll lines, right? Like, it's it's just super uh, super effective that we can, we have all these, this group of guys that will, you know, do what it takes to, to win games and, you know, to eat pucks and everything. And, and uh, Tyson Kirkby, being a captain, he's one of the best captains I've had. He does all the little things that matter, which which makes everyone else want to do the exact same thing. It just makes it super nice. You know, our system's working. We're scoring goals on the power play. We're, you know, we're penalty killing. We're doing all the things that matter. So all we have to do right now is just keep up the, keep up the hard work. One of the things that I have brought up in talking about, you know, the games after the games and everything, especially the next day, is that um, secondary scoring. It really just feels like that when you look at, you know, Binghamton's top scorers right now, which is Tyson Kirkby, Nikita Ivashkin, Connor Smith, right? Those three guys just, and when Brendan was here, oh my gosh, he was on fire which is the reason why he got the, uh, the the call up and everything. But then you look at the rest of the roster and it's like you got yourself at 7 goals. You have like 5 or 6 other guys at 7 and 8 goals on this team. The secondary scoring is so spread out that right now every single player on the team has a goal. How important is that for a team to be successful to have that scoring spread out so well? From the, the the fourth leading scorer all the way down to the last leading scorer. 
Yeah, no, it's huge. Uh, it's huge to kind of share the workload, right? We don't want just one or two guys, you know, getting our goals because that kind of makes them, you know, targets to other teams. Mm-hmm. So it, it is super, uh, super helpful and super nice that we have guys who can score, you know, whenever. Um, Psalms a couple weeks ago, you know, tied the game up in Danbury, uh, which is huge, right? Like yeah. We we just need we need players like that who are all on uh, good players and can can shoot the puck and score. Like that's what it takes to to be on a winning team. Everyone kind of has to contribute and do their part. How did it feel to get that first goal of the season when you did your first professional it, goal? It it, it was uh, it was fantastic. It, hard, words are. <laughs> hard to explain how awesome it felt it was uh, truly one of a kind experience especially being in Binghamton you know the fans are great everyone's awesome teammates are just firing you up like you're just super excited so yeah it was it was probably one of the best feelings I've had now it was against the uh, the River Sharks here in Binghamton on December 1st do you remember the play do you remember the shot I I, I kind of do I mean yeah I, I came in uh, on what is the five on three correct coming in and I just ripped it. I, I didn't expect it to go in. I was kind of shooting for a rebound um, and see if one of our guys could uh, kind of bang away at it. But, yeah, I, um, I, I saw it go in, and, and I did the, the little waddle. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I was, uh, my girlfriend wanted me to do that, so That's I did funny. it for her. That's funny. Um, so let me ask you a question. As a defenseman, when you're going and, and, and taking a shot, whether it's from the blue line or you're trying to pinch and come in and to, to help out the forwards and everything, uh, how how difficult is it to make the decision to take the shot or pass it over to somebody else? Uh, is, there, is there more to it than just, okay, there's Tyson, I need to get it over to him, or how do you make that decision? Yeah, so um, a lot of times I'm, I'm reading off the goalie. Um, I know that if I pass to anyone on the team, you know they'll most likely bury, so I'm not – I'm not worried about that. It's more of if I think I can beat the goalie, like how far I can walk in, um, and then you know I, it's kind of like a last-second decision. If I if I can get the goalie to bite and you know pass it over for an empty net, I'll do that a hundred out of a hundred times. But if I fully believe that you know I can I can put the team up and get get one on the board, then uh, I'll, I'll shoot it. I'll I'll shoot the score all day long. Yeah, you've uh, had two multi-goal games so far this year. Uh, I got to imagine you're you're pretty happy about how the last three or four weeks have gone. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm more than happy with how how I've been playing so far. And uh, let's see here, uh, you did have the one game. Now this was against the Watertown Wolves, uh, where I believe uh, Dakota. I'm trying to remember. This is this is the this is the this was the crazy game uh, against uh, Watertown where. Uh, you know, Verbreek, their head coach, might have been trying to send out his players, and that got stopped and everything. When a game kind of gets out of control like that, and and I I would put the onus ninety percent of the, the the issue was really on Watertown. Uh, Tate Leeson was uh, you know kind of running around doing whatever he was doing. Trevor Lord was having issues and everything. How do you guys kind of stay mentally in check during games like that? Because, I mean, I know you had 12 penalty minutes, and that's not normal for you in that particular game alone. So uh, talk a little bit about the mindset going into the second and the third period when you know that Watertown is kind of kind of losing their marbles a little bit. Yeah, uh, in between periods, we kind of just talk and say we got to keep our heads. You know, nothing stupid like, 
we want all of our guys to be playing. We don't want them to have to be killing and uh, you know half the game, which uh, which makes it just hard for both teams. It's like it it, it kind of tires our guys out because you know we have our, our PK guys and they get gassed, and then we you know don't have guys you know getting on the ice, which just is all around not good for us. But yeah, we just gotta we just have to keep our heads composure and uh, yeah that game <laughs> that game. Particularly uh, was not my best, but um, Leeson was kind of getting under my skin, and uh, yeah, I I didn't do too much. I don't think to to get that penalty, but uh, I guess the ref decided that to give it to we both of you. Going. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, was it something that you know Leeson was saying? Was it something that you said back to him? What do you? Why do you think that there was that animosity, not just between the two of you? And I don't think you have animosity really against most of your opponents yet this year. I mean, you're. You're only a couple months into your pro career and everything, but what do you think it was? Was it more about they just couldn't keep up with the Black Bears, and sometimes that's how teams react to that? Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the times that's what it comes down to is the other teams really can't keep up with us with with their speed or physicality and everything like that. So they're just trying to get under our skin, you know, take us to the box and and kind of doing whatever whatever they can to. You know, uh, get us off our game, which you know I can I can respect that. Um, but when you know when they get dirty and they're hitting from behind or punching guys in the face, jumping guys, that's that's kind of where I draw the line. And uh, yeah, I think we kind of just gotta stand up for ourselves and not let that happen. You've only been here for a couple months. Do you still feel the rivalry between the Black Bears and the Hattricks? <laughs> you know, it's funny. The the first game I played against them. All the guys were uh, were riled up, and you know me me being my first game against them, I, I you know kind of didn't see what like what they saw, but after after the first couple of shifts, I understood exactly exactly what they were uh, kind of saying and, and feeling. So yeah, I, I I feel it. It's every game against them is a grudge match, and uh, you know they don't hold back, and neither do we. And I think it I think it makes for a good hockey. So well, that first it, it's nice. That first game you were talking about, 6-2 win, you had three assists and were the second star that night. So you obviously got right into, you know, playing well against the Hattricks because you guys have had some really good success this season against the Hattricks. And, and now you have to kind of follow that up with four games against them, two in Danbury this weekend and then, of course, two back in, 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 in Binghamton. You guys have been successful in Danbury this year. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think uh, I think some of our guys feed off the crowd, um, which is super nice. Like um, their crowd just tries to get in their heads and everything, and and our guys kind of go out there and, and show them that you know they can kind of just sit down and and watch us <laughs> dominate. Which, which yeah, I, I feel like I just feel like our guys uh, love the, the wildness kind of that occurs at that rink. Um, you know, it's it's fun playing there too. Like everyone's kind of chirping you and. You know, maybe the refs aren't the best, but that that really doesn't uh, doesn't matter. We kind of play through through anything. Talk a little bit about the decor for a second. Uh, I know it's kind of changed around a little bit. Sometimes Donald uh, Oliveri is on the decor. Sometimes uh, Jesse Anderson is, um, and and now Jake Schultz has uh, kind of returned from the team after being up in the ECHL and everything. What, what what would you say? How if so? If someone said to you, describe what the defense is like in for the Binghamton Black Bears. How would you answer that? If I had one word, I would say dominant. 
we got uh, some big guys on the back end, a lot of skilled guys, you know. Mm-hmm. We can play the body, we can play the puck. Anyone can do anything back there. It's uh, it's it's super nice to to know that, you know, once once you get off the ice, these other guys are going to go and do exactly, you know, what you want them to do and kind of get the pucks out, make the simple plays, easy passes. The first pass out of the zone is very crucial. Mm-hmm. Just doing the right things. And uh, we got some great leaders back there. You know, we got Wally back there who's, uh, who's been been around, and, and he's knows what he's talking about. So I always listen to him when I can. Jake uh, coming back, it's huge for us. You know, just a big body. Four points his first game, which fantastic. Like, just just kind of uh, kind of great all around, which is just very, uh, very helpful for the team. Who's the guy on the team? Who's the who's the guy on the team that you've gone to, asked for advice, you know, talked to because they've been in this league for a while? Is there a particular guy that you've gone to? You just mentioned J.G. Walters. Was it was it him because you know uh, obviously the commonality of uh, playing on defense, or is there somebody else on the team that you've uh, kind of been able to go to and you know get advice or information from? Yeah, I talked to I talked to Wally a lot, uh, but I also talked to Tyson Kirkby. He's <laughs> He's probably one of the guys I go to the most. Uh, he helps me with a lot of stuff on and off the ice, which uh, which is good. I think we have a good chemistry there, so I, I always go to to Kirky there. I've I've always seen him smiling. Does does he never not smile? Does does is, is there ever a frown on Tyson Kirkby's face? Because I've never <laughs> seen it. No, no, not really. He's always he's always happy, especially when he uh, gets to see me at the rink. He's always smiling and. And, you know, we always have a good time. Now, uh, how is your relationship with uh, Coach Sherwood? Uh, he's an interesting guy because he's a younger guy. He's not one of the older coaches in the league and everything. And he's cutting his teeth as well, uh, you know, as a coach and everything. He played in the SPHL. He's played in the Fed and everything. What's the relationship between uh, you and, and, and him like? Yeah, no, it's it's great. Uh, he's a great coach. Definitely one of the best coaches I've, you know, I've been around. Uh, he's super nice. You can talk to him about anything. You know, it doesn't really matter. He gets involved in drills, and he gets involved in, like, the games that we play after uh, mm-hmm. practice. So it's just super nice to have uh, a young, fun coach like that who, who kind of understands, uh, you know, the team and and uh, is able to kind of just get in there and have fun with us and, you know, kind of joke around and just and kind of be one of the boys while also, you know, being a stern coach during games and when he needs to be. So. Yeah, I was going to ask you, after some of the games where you guys have lost, you know, there was the first uh, uh, regulation loss against Watertown, and there was a game against Elmira, obviously the couple games here against Danbury where you guys lost in the shootout in the overtime. Does he give you guys any, like, did he give you a rash of shit after, like, a, like a period during an intermission or after the game, or is it more providing uh, good critiques instead? Yeah, there's been uh, there's been a couple periods where he's you know ragged on us uh, only because we needed it, right? Yeah. Like we kind of we kind of needed uh, to be yelled at and kind of told that we're not doing what we should be doing, right? But most of the time, yeah, it's always giving little critiques, like trying to help us out, not really yelling at us, always giving us um, good examples and trying to help us out, you know, because he wants to win, we want to win too, and he understands that some games aren't our best games, and uh, it's not always going to be perfect how we draw it up on the board. So he's just trying to show us some light and uh, trying to just help us out. Well, trying not to put us down. So let me ask you this question. I've asked uh, I, I asked uh, Stanko this question. Um, I, I believe I asked uh, Tyson Kirkby this question. 
So I want to get your opinion on it. Um, at, at the beginning of the season, we had four Adrian Bulldogs, and we have a lot of SUNY Ack guys that play on this team. If we took right now you, Dan Stone, and Connor Smith and pitted you guys up to, against three of the, the SUNY Ack guys through you know Sam on one end, Connor on the other end as a goaltender, and did some three-on-three, who's winning that? Is it going to be the SUNY Ack guys, or is it going to be the Adrian Bulldog guys? I feel like that's a loaded question, but uh, yeah, I, I think the Adrian boys would would prevail on that one. <laughs> no, I got to ask why. Why do you Why do you think that? You know, no. Listen, I'm not trying to pit anything against you guys. You guys are awesome. Every single one of you players have been great, especially here on the show and everything. But why do you think the Adrian guys could hold their own against the Suniac guys? Yeah, we're uh, we're just a bunch of young, uh, tough guys who uh, know how to play hockey. That's all. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, like. A lot of the Adrian guys, um, you know, they got chances to go to D3 offer. They got the D3 offers and everything. You can go play anywhere. But, you know, we uh, we all chose to kind of go to Adrian because, you know, it was a nice place to, to play at. We wanted to win that national championship, like have that chance. Um, for a couple of us, it was it was close to home, which just made it a lot easier. Like, I didn't want to travel, you know, to Buffalo and, you know, be, you know, eight hours away from home or, or whatever it was. So I just... I chose the the couple hour uh, couple hour trip to Adrian, which you know was which uh, you know it was it was nice for me. I think it was the best uh, fit for me. So one of the guys on the team, because uh, you know obviously you have the Adrian guys who you know winning a championship in college is important because you guys have done something that a lot of people don't get to do and everything, right? Gavin Yates, I believe, won a championship. I think in the past as well. Um, how 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 driven are you guys to kind of complete this story? You're about halfway through right now. At the end of this weekend, half of the games would be played. Uh, how important is it for you guys to kind of finish the story and bring home a title? Yeah, that's uh, that's our goal right now. Um, and for me personally, that that's my biggest goal. I want to help the team as as much as I can. I just want to I just want to win a championship. Like that's all I ever kind of think about I, I try to work as hard as I can I try to battle everyone in practice as much as I can because uh, in the end you know I might seem like a like a uh, <laughs> hard annoying teammate on the ice but uh, I think they understand that it's for the best and I want them to get better as well as myself awesome uh Dakota thank you very much for coming out we truly appreciate it and uh uh, good luck the rest of the season. I know I spoke to you for a few minutes during one of the jersey auctions. I was standing next to Egbert, who scared the crap out of me. A big goalie should not be able to sneak up on somebody like he did. Um, but but he did, and I think you came over uh, when I was talking to um, – I'm not really sure which guy. But you you, you came over, and I, they said, hey, this is Bob. He's the one that does all the podcasts and everything, um, talking about the team and everything. But it was it was good to see you, and I hope to see you in person again uh, soon and everything. Um, but good luck with the rest of the season, and thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Awesome. And we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. If you're a Binghamton hockey fan, then you need to check out BinghamtonHockey.net. 
for all your news, stats, information, the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame, top 10 lists, profiles, and so much more. That's BinghamtonHockey.net. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Thank you so much for listening and paying attention and just enjoying uh, this little podcast. I want to thank, obviously, you know all the guests that we've had uh, so far this season, but uh, as well as uh, today's show, uh, which has uh, been very cool. Gary Ryan and, of course, uh, Dakota Bond from the Binghamton Black Bears um, had a really great conversation earlier today uh, with – a good portion of the Black Bears people, uh, Bobby Gross and uh, uh, EJ Worth, and I uh, got to meet those guys for the first time today. But I got to talk to Andreas and and uh, Brant Sherwood and and Brooks Hill, and always appreciate all of their uh, help with this show. And just you know, um, I really do enjoy Binghamton hockey probably more than I should, and uh, really just uh, glad to be a part of it. So the Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search the Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, search Power Play Post Show, and uh, after you join, share it with all your friends and family. Uh, check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton Hockey information and curiosity. Thank you to Rob Lapolis, our MC, John Petitucci, our musical director, and our guest this week, Binghamton Black Bears defenseman Dakota Bond, and, of course, a special appearance by the Fed League Flashes, Gary Ryan. Thank you for both of those guys for being a part of this week's show. Next week's show is number 400. It's a special mark for the Power Play Post Show. We'll see what happens next week. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Again, really appreciate it. Good luck to the Black Bears this weekend against the Danbury Hattricks. I know these are going to be two very tough games. Hattricks are playing better. The Black Bears still keep rolling along, which is really good. So we'll see how it goes. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening. And you have been listening to the Power Play Post Show. listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show. Be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show. You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.